Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the 314th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Patrick Canning, author of the new suburban thriller, Hawthorne Woods. Stay tuned for the interview. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen to audiobooks during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, your local bookseller. Reading and writing podcast special offer, get two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership with code RWPODCAST. That's code RWPODCAST for two audiobooks for the price of one for your first month of membership at Libro.fm. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Patrick Canning, author of the new novel Hawthorne Woods. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Really happy to be here. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about your novel, Hawthorne Woods, yet, how would you describe the novel? Uh, Sure. So Hawthorne Woods um, has Francine, who is a a woman who lives in San Francisco, and she's having difficulty getting over a disastrous marriage that ended in divorce. And she goes to stay um, to babysit her nephew in the town of Hawthorne Woods, Illinois. Uh, while her sister goes on a delayed honeymoon for two weeks. So Francine thinks this will be, you know, a nice peaceful two weeks to kind of get her mind together and move forward. And it doesn't take long before kind of weird things start happening in the neighborhood. And she gets pulled into uh, various mysteries occurring in this seemingly kind of idyllic landscape. And at that point, she Uh, eventually determines to take a more active role in her recovery and decides that she might be able to 
become herself once again if she can um, solve the mysteries that are springing up around her. Great. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Hawthorne Woods? Yeah. So, so Hawthorne Woods is a real place that I grew up in. Um, the, the book takes place in the late 80s, which is when I was a kid there. And um, I, I knew I kind of wanted to write a story there just because I had, you know, so many childhood memories and sort of remembered it as a nearly perfect place. And so, you know, now as a writer, I thought that that would be a great spot for a murder mystery where you're never quite sure what's going on. So Francine has this whole cast of characters to sort through and you have all the neighbors on the block. She's trying to determine who is who they say they are and who isn't. And um, and then in terms of some of the personal things she goes through, she's, you know, getting over a failed relationship and um, without too many spoilers, she deals with some mental health issues later in the book. And so all that stuff was kind of things from my own personal life that I kind of wove into the story as well. Great. Well, what are your earliest memories of reading and books? Uh, earliest memories of reading. Um, I, I did a lot of bedtime stories as a kid. You know, I know my mom was always big on on reading and getting us to read. So pretty much, you know, whatever would accomplish that was what we were allowed to read. So stuff like Goosebumps or Animorphs. Um, I was obsessed with Calvin and Hobbes as a kid. So I know that's more comic strips, but still anything to, you know, get a kid interested in a book. So that that would probably make up the bulk of my childhood reading. Sure. And then what about later, like teenage or college? What What were your kind of reading habits or what were you enjoying reading? Um, so I would say more so definitely the last couple of years I've gotten much more heavily into reading. Um, I kind of set out to work in movies, came out uh, here to California for film school and have worked in film off and on for a while and uh, got into writing through screenwriting. So I've always liked reading, but it's not always my most steady habit. And sure. so since I've started writing, I've definitely, you know, picked up on reading just because I enjoy it and also because it's just helpful in the craft. So it's kind of fun because I'm able to discover like lots of authors and books that probably heavy readers already know about, but it's kind of a, it's all new to me sort of situation. So really enjoying it. Sure. So what did get you into writing and, and writing these books that you've written? I think it's three novels now. Is that correct? Yeah. So so like I said, I, I think I I found my way into writing through screenwriting. I originally wanted to be a director and I still love filmmaking and kind of want to do some of it down the road. But I found a I was better at screenwriting and then I liked prose writing, I guess you would call it even better than screenwriting because screenwriting is great, but it's very uh, structural. And then you have the whole aspect of it might not even go anywhere. It's kind of a, a piece in a process, whereas a novel can be um, its own thing. And so, you know, novels are great because you can, I think, be a little more exploratory and definitely to a certain extent, tell whatever story you want to. Um, and so that's kind of freeing as compared to something like screenwriting. 
And and so what what was that process like for you? Did you go to film school and um, have you have you written a lot of screenplays? Yeah, so so I I did go go to film school from Illinois out here to Los Angeles, and um, I would say for about ten years after school, I worked in all different kind areas of the industry. Um, I was doing a lot of post production stuff like visual effects and. Uh, nothing really directly re- related to what I was interested in. It was more so what I could get people to pay me to do. Sure. And so, you know, always, like everybody else out here, you're kind of doing projects on the side. And uh, so I, I made uh, I made a film at one point, uh, like an independent film, and um, always had a couple screenplays going. Never really sold anything or got anything off the ground. So that might've also had something to do with pushing me towards writing where I think it's much more accessible in terms of it's easier to get in contact with agents. Like they might not sign you, but most people will read your query letter. So as difficult as the writing industry is, I think it's somewhat more accessible than uh, the filmmaking world. Interesting. So what was the writing process like for you for Hawthorne Woods? Once you had the initial idea, did you just jump straight into the writing and kind of follow the story or do you plot and outline uh, your novel beforehand? Uh, I would say I'm more of a plotter. So once I have an idea for a book, um, presumably there's already another book actively being written. And so everything kind of overlaps. So if I have a new idea, you know, you open a Word document for it and you just start writing down ideas so you don't forget anything. And uh, once that kind of fills up to the right amount, I uh, distill that into some sort of outline. And once that looks like a story, then go to the first draft. So this story kind of had a lot of different angles along the way. It wasn't like I totally figured it out at the outset. And so it was definitely kind of an evolution of a book more so than some of the others. Um, There were some things in the first draft uh, that like um, the character saw spirits and things like that. And it was maybe more of a fantastical, something like Neil Gaiman would write. And then I kind of realized, no, this is more of a, uh, a domestic suspense, something like, uh, big little eyes. And so I kind of tailored it closer to that. And so it, it's definitely been changing, but the whole time, like the main characters and the setting and kind of what I wanted to accomplish stayed the same. It was more so just uh, what the story looked like that changed along the way. Sure. So are you working on another novel now? Yes. So I always have a couple going. I think, I think there's probably about five things working and you know one or two that are more like are actively being written but I'm kind of deciding which one's going to come next at the moment so it's uh it's kind of fun in that sense that I'm trying to figure out what is ready to be written right now sure so what writing advice would you offer for listeners who are writing their own stories and novels um so if if someone's in the earlier stages, kind of just starting out, there's there's a lot of different bits of advice they're probably getting. I would say to finish something um, because I think people can get caught up in like the idea stage and they have so many seemingly good ideas and 
to to actually execute the idea all the way through um i think will allow them to see some of the latter stages of the writing process that they might not otherwise experience including releasing the book and things like that but even you know finishing a book and signing off on it and then you have like a concrete piece of your writing so it takes it out of the realm of possibility and you can better judge yourself and get an idea of you know the strengths and weaknesses of your writing and so i think a lot of people for one reason or another never finish something and that that i think you could get stuck in place and so if someone if it's kind of like your baby and you're like i want this to be perfect and i've been working on it for 10 years i would say if if that really is the case i would argue you probably have a lot more ideas and you don't have to do it that way but if you do want to keep something precious then write you know, something you also like first and just get it out of the way, not get it out of the way, but um, go through the entire process just so you have an idea of what it looks like. So do you share your novels with anyone uh, before publication to get feedback or? Yes, definitely. So um, aside from, you know, working with an editor, I have uh, beta readers who are just family and friends. And essentially I'll just try to find people who either read a lot or enjoy the genre of the book, because if someone just doesn't like that kind of story, they might not be able to give you valuable feedback. Um, and so hopefully it's someone, you know, so you kind of know how to judge their opinion, but absolutely. That's super. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're crucial to get out of your own head and see what, what is landing for other people. Sure. So what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, I am reading... P.G. Woodhouse for the first time. So that's definitely one of those authors I was kind of talking about where they're fairly well known, but I had no idea. And so, you know, he's an English humor writer from, I guess, the early 20th century. And uh, I, I believe the book is his collected works. And it's just completely hilarious, kind of anecdotal 
little barroom stories that are so well written. It's crazy. Um, and I'm reading Beloved by Toni Morrison, and that is really good. I know another author on your show recently talked about it, and I completely agree with her. It's just, it's really strong, kind of dense, poetic writing. So it's not something I'm super used to reading, where you, the story's not really concerned that you understand what's going on, but it's kind of, <laughs> kind of beautiful to read. So I'll probably have to reread that one, but it's, it's very uh, intense writing. Um, and then I'm also listening to the entire Sherlock Holmes collection, which I've read before but never listened to. And it's uh, that's just always, I don't think I'll ever not like those stories. So that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> those are fun. So where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? So I am at patrickcanningbooks.com or I'm on Instagram at catpanning. And either one of those places, I put up book reviews and pictures of my dog, basically. And uh, yeah, you can find my current book, Hawthorne Woods, or some of my other books. And so how do you how do you think that your experience in film and um, screenwriting has uh, impacted your fiction and novel writing? Well, uh, so screenwriting... And I'm not an expert on screenwriting by any means, but I will say that it's definitely more concerned with economy, whereas a book can be essentially any length. Uh, You know, most screenplays are going to be around 120 pages if we're talking about film and uh, and TV as well is very structured. So you have to make every sentence count. You know, every line of dialogue has to move the story forward. And I think that can be intimidating for a newer writer and they see it as constraining. But if you kind of get past that, you see the beauty in it. And like when a screenplay does that well, it's just really something to see. And so I don't know if it has to be that cutthroat, if that's the right word, like for a novel, you can sort of bask in the scene a little more and be a little more exploratory. But I think it's also it's definitely a good kind of lesson to keep in mind that you need to keep progressing the story and put something propulsive in the scenes if that's what you're doing in that scene. So it doesn't always apply to every bit of novel or prose writing, but I think it's a great little engine to keep in mind. Great. Well, you you mentioned earlier that um, when you were growing up that you 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 read, but you weren't a huge reader. Um, you know, because some writers you, you, you talk to them and they, you know, were reading and knew that they wanted to be a writer from a, a very early age. Um, I'm, I'm curious, and, and you, you have explained your background in film and then you did a little film writing. Can you remember, um, what, what do you have a memory or can you remember when you decided to sit down and try to, to write fiction and to write a novel? And what kind of uh, motivated you for the first one that you wrote? Sure. Um, so, so I did like reading as a kid. I don't know if I um, conveyed that properly. I did enjoy it, and then I've always, you know, liked creative endeavors, whether it's you know like drawing stuff or making movies. So I feel like that all sort of applies. Just any sort of creative work, and then. I don't remember if it was a specific instance, but I, I kind of had been screenwriting and it's, it was one of those things where it almost never occurred to me 
that I could be an author. And then all of a sudden you have the idea and you think, oh, that might actually work. And then at that point, it was kind of just to see if I could do it. So the first book, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, it's just one of those things where if you're going to run a marathon or something like that, you just think, hell, hell, let's just try it and see what happens. And so, <laughs> you know, it was definitely a learning experience. And um, I uh, definitely wrote that first book and then rewrote it for a long time. And so I'm always trying to cut down on that time, but, you know, found that I absolutely loved it. You know, I love the literary world, I guess. And um, so I'm definitely not complaining if I would be able to, to go far in writing. Sure. Well, again, we've been speaking with Patrick Canning, author of the new novel, Hawthorne Woods. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Patrick, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, congrats on the podcast. I always love listening to it. Oh, thanks a lot. Stay tuned for a brief excerpt from Hawthorne Woods, read by the author, Patrick Canning. The party was roughly divided into the same sex groups of a grade school dance, both sides seeming to enjoy the break from their significant others. The women, most of whom seemed to be named Carol, laughed explosively, touching one another's forearms in agreement or emphasis as they sucked down wine coolers and long, skinny cigarettes, while men with mustaches cradled koozie-swaddled Miller lights and rushed punchlines to dirty jokes under clouds of cigar smoke. Francine stood alone in the kitchen, digging her thumbnail into the wood of the door jam as she studied the residents of Hawthorne Woods. There was a time when she could have guessed professions, habits, personalities, but not anymore. She could see only a party of question marks mingling on the cement patio under the glow of porch lights. Yellow dust gathered on the linoleum floor below as splinters of wood chipped at her nail polish, revealing details only visible once they'd been separated from the hole, like the way Ben used to roll her toothpaste tube. He had always used mint toothpaste, only touching Francine's cinnamon flavor when it was almost out, crimping the ends so the last of the paste was ready to go. Now Francine had to roll the empty tube herself but she could never get the crimp quite right. One detail in a thousand, and such a stupid one to miss, but that's what stuck. Ow! She jerked her hand back and flapped it in pain. A splinter had lodged deep under her thumbnail. She bit at the spot, watching as a head of strawberry blonde hair wove its way through the crowd. There you are, Ellie said, yanking open the screen door. Come on, you need to meet more of the neighbors. Ellie, I'd really rather, but Francine's sister had already pulled her out into the dizzying carousel of suburbia. She took it all in as best she could, smiling and shaking hands while trying to look happy. The marathon of introductions was doing a number on her already exhausted psyche, especially since she was without her once keen ability to read people. Her ex-husband had taken a lot, a good chunk of her 30s, her faith in one half of the human species, and her favorite Whitney Houston cassette. Worst of all, though, was the theft of her confidence. How could anyone pretend to have good sense after marrying a man who turned out to be what Ben had turned out to be? Ellie, I need a break, Francine said after meeting yet another Carol and her mustachioed husband. Ooh, wait, just one more. Laura Jean! Ellie towed Francine toward a short blonde woman whose waist-length ponytail swung as she spun to face them. Hair was always the first thing Francine noticed about someone. The curse of the stylist, she supposed. Best friend, meet big sister, Ellie announced. Laura Jean, Francine. Francine, Laura Jean. Please let there be at least one genuine person here, Francine prayed. Every woman she'd met that night had taken great trouble to appear welcoming, but never quite managed to transcend constipated pleasantries. You make us sound like a couple of Muppets when you say our names together, Laura Jean said to Ellie. 
Her voice had a faint twang, not a southern accent so much as diet southern. Francine, so very nice to finally meet you, even in 70% humidity. The woman's perfectly put-together look was a touch intimidating, but her words seemed sincere, her smile warm. Francine decided to risk being herself. Really wish I'd remembered how tropical Illinois is in the summer. She wiped a strand of sweaty brown hair from the sun-bolded freckles on her cheeks. I'm starting to smell like the locker room. Oh boy, I'm right there with you. Laura Jean made a show of sniffing her own armpits. I'm getting notes of 8th grade boys, post-gym class pre-deodorant. The exchange sparked a smile from both of them, and Francine wondered if they'd decided to be friends at the same moment. Still in auto-introduction mode, Ellie tugged on Francine's elbow. Okay, we should keep meeting people. Ooh, you still have to say hi to the coupon club ladies, and you gotta meet the chief, of course. Ellie, I just remembered, Laura Jean bumped her palm against her forehead. Pete said to tell you the ice is running low in the beer tub. Ellie's eyes went wide at the scandalous thought of warm beverages, and she ran for the garage. I'm on it! Keep her company! Laura Jean plucked two bottles from the beer tub, already overflowing with ice, and handed one to Francine with a wink. Looked like you could use an Ellie break. I adore your sister, but mercy, she is a treadmill jammed on high. Thanks. And thanks for not dying of surprise that we're related. That's the normal response from people, usually after they gush over how pretty she is. Oh, please. My older sister's had legs for days, and nobody ever let little old me forget it. You and Ellie look plenty related to me, Francine shrugged. She took the aggressively petite approach, which has its advantages, but I suspect the day you become a size zero is the day somebody makes off with your sense of humor at gunpoint. Though that may just be my rationale for finishing a pizza by myself. Laura Jean gave a wry grin. In any case, you're on vacation now, so you can eat as much of whatever you damn well please. Yeah, this is kind of a vacation, I guess. Francine wondered how chummy she should get in the first 30 seconds. They stood in silence for a moment, watching barefoot children chase each other around the patio's ring of citronella candles. Did Ellie mention why I'm here? Well, Laura Jean studied her beer bottle. Since this feels like a feet-first-into-the-deep-end kind of friendship to me, I won't feign ignorance. She did say you were having a hard time. Francine nodded. That's polite speak for a runaway train headed for a bottomless pit. Also, the train is on fire or something. They both laughed. Francine took a swallow of her beer and pinched at the faded daisy sundress sticking to her skin. My husband and I got divorced two years ago. The paperwork was easy enough to sign. It's just the moving on part that's been tricky. Not one of my strengths, I guess. Oh, please. When the grocery store stopped selling my favorite ice cream flavor, I wrote a letter to the CEO. Where's my rum raisin? Laura Jean gaveled the air with her fist. Francine laughed as Laura Jean continued the ice cream story, but her attention had caught on a middle-aged couple across the patio. A barrel-chested man, his pomade-drenched hair combed into immaculate lines of gold, was quietly arguing with a waif of a woman with a black pixie cut. Their body language was a unique brand of tenseness Francine expertly recognized as marital discord. Apparently she could still read people if it was both obvious and marriage-related. Less obvious, however, was the meaning behind the occasional glances Pixie Cut seemed to be sending in Francine's direction. Something about them seemed hostile. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.